You hear a knock on the door and open it to find two friendly representatives from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as the Mormon Church. What will you say? Will you send them away without a Christian witness, or will you engage them in a meaningful and Christ-honoring conversation? If you desire the latter, may we suggest the book, Answering Mormon's Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson. Answering Mormon's Questions is available at the Utah Christian Research Center, 579 West Galena Park Place in Draper, Utah. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we're talking about early Utah politics and the controversy that surrounded seating a an LDS congressman by the name of B.H. Roberts, and now we're talking about the controversy when it comes to seating an LDS senator, a man by the name of Reed Smoot. As we've mentioned in this series, plural marriage is going to haunt the LDS Church, especially when it comes to the election of these men. And there's good reason for that. And some people might say, well, you're, it's kind of like when Kennedy ran for president in the 1960s. A lot of people thought that John F. Kennedy was going to be a mouthpiece for the Roman Catholic Church. Now, that didn't really happen. But when we're talking about a Latter-day Saint becoming a senator or becoming a congressman, I think there's a bit of a difference here. Because even as this book that we are citing this week, and that book is Saints, Boldly, Nobly, and Independent. This is the third of a four-part series that the LDS Church has published in recent years. They do tend to be much more transparent in admitting that, for instance, when it came to B.H. Roberts, first of all, he got in trouble because he and Moses Thatcher, who ran for Senate, they were nominated, but they never sought the permission of their leadership in order to run for political office, and they were chastised for that publicly by Joseph F. Smith, who at the time was a member of the First Presidency. This was a public rebuke. Well, then later on, B.H. Roberts is going to run again for Congress, but now he has permission to do so. The second time he runs, he ends up winning. He lost the first time. But he wins the second time, but he's not allowed to be seated because he is a practicing polygamist. And the church, according to this book, it's stung by this. And it knows that was not a good move on their part. They should have never put someone like B.H. Roberts up there in the forefront. Because not only were his plural marriages going to come back to bite him, it was going to put a bad view of the LDS church. And they're trying to get rid of this image. Everything is image with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're very worried about that. They always have been, and they still are to this day. But now, Reed Smoot, he's been elected to the Senate from the state of Utah, and the book on page 100 says something very interesting towards the bottom of the page. It says, Reed's most aggressive critics were members of the Salt Lake Ministerial Association, a group of Protestant businessmen, lawyers, and clergymen from Utah. Shortly after the election, they formally petitioned the Senate to deny Reed his seat. Can I stop you there, Eric? Because God bless these 
individuals in this Salt Lake Ministerial Association. I was mentioning yesterday about things that were done back then that we could never imagine being done now. And I don't think something like this would be something that you would hear a lot about. And here is a group of people who live in this situation. They live in Utah. So they've seen these things. They've heard these things. They know what's going on when it comes to the leadership of the church because they live in this area. And they are vocal critics of what's going on with Reed Smoot being elected to the Senate. And they see this as something very, very bad. And what's interesting is a lot of their concerns are the very things this book admits were true. Go on. It continues. Their petition claimed that the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles wielded supreme political and economic authority over the saints and demanded absolute obedience from them. Now, was that untrue? We read on Monday and Tuesday a statement from Joseph F. Smith, who, as I just mentioned, was a member of the First Presidency, rebuking both B.H. Roberts and Moses Thatcher for running without permission, and Joseph F. Smith saying, you just don't do that. You don't do what you want on your own. We have living oracles. You do what we tell you. So the Salt Lake Ministerial Association, I think, is perfectly accurate in that accusation, as is going to be demonstrated by what we read in this book. It continues, they also asserted that church leaders still preached, practiced, and supported plural marriage despite the manifesto. Let me again stop you. If you had not heard our earlier shows, if you're not familiar with that term, the manifesto, that was a document, and it's still at the back of the Doctrine and Covenants. It's known as Official Declaration 1, signed by Wilford Woodruff, the fourth president of the church, promising the federal government that basically plural marriage was no longer an issue with the LDS church, that they were no longer going to solemnize or practice polygamy, which, of course, was not true at all. And then it says, these factors, they concluded, made the saints undemocratic and disloyal to the nation. Now, why would they draw that conclusion? As I read yesterday, Article 3 in the Utah Constitution specifically prohibits, it says, polygamous or plural marriages. It says polygamous or plural marriages are forever prohibited. If they are willing to violate their own state's constitution on this subject, why shouldn't people fear that they're willing to do some other underhanded things once they get involved in the federal government of the United States? So I see their fears as being well warranted. And any Latter-day Saint thinking, oh, that's just going overboard. Well, I wouldn't say so, at least not by the quotations that we've read in this book. They're seeming to admit that you do what the church tells you. You don't do anything independently of the church. Now, could you ask the question, well, are modern LDS senators and congressmen like that today? Maybe not to the degree that we saw back when Joseph F. Smith was alive. But as I mentioned earlier this week, most of our politicians, they're members of the LDS church. It's almost impossible to get elected to the level of, of congressman or senator in, in Utah, unless you are a member of the LDS Church. They know what they're supposed to do. They don't need phone calls or emails to tell them what to do. And that's even true today. 
I mean, this is 2024, and we still have five congressmen, all Latter-day Saints, two senators, and I can't tell you the last time, I don't even know if it's in my lifetime, when somebody who wasn't a faithful member of the church was in one of those federal positions. It continues on page 101. The members of the Ministerial Association feared that Reed would use his position as an apostle in the church to promote plural marriage and and protect those who practiced it. One member even accused Reed, a monogamist, of practicing plural marriage in secret. He warned that Reed would be a pawn of the First Presidency, wholly subject to their direction. Senate leaders reviewed the petitions and appointed a committee of 13 senators to conduct a hearing into the Ministerial Association's claims. Yet they also permitted Reed to take his oath of office, allowing him to serve as a senator at least until the committee finished its hearing. Although the threat of investigation loomed over the church, Joseph F. Smith believed that Reed should keep his apostleship and his senate seat, confident that he could do more good in Washington than anywhere else. President Smith saw the investigation as a chance to help people better understand the saints and their beliefs. Now, we should mention that at this time, Joseph F. Smith, he's no longer just a member of the First Presidency. He is now the president of the church. He is the sixth president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So he's throwing his weight now behind Reed Smoot, thinking, as it says, that he could do more good in Washington than anywhere else. Then it goes on to say, since Reed had never practiced plural marriage, he did not fret about the committee's investigation into his personal life, but he worried about how the church would fare during the hearing. And you might ask, if you're reading this up to this point, why would he fear this? Well, the next sentence says, rumors about new plural marriages abounded in Utah and doubts about the church's commitment to abandoning the practice lingered in the public mind since B.H. Roberts' election. Now, that was the election earlier when B.H. Roberts was not seated. He was kicked out of Congress because he was a practicing polygamist. It continues on page 102. As a leader in the church, Reed had to answer for church policies. He knew the committee would investigate post-manifesto plural marriages thoroughly. He also expected the senators to question him and other witnesses about the church's involvement in politics and the saints' loyalty to the United States. If the committee proved that the church promoted lawbreaking, Reed could be stripped of his seat and the saints' reputation would suffer. On January 4, 1904, Reed submitted a rebuttal to the committee, formally denying the Ministerial Association's accusations. He hoped to focus the committee's attention on him and his conduct. But when he met with the committee one week later, it was clear the senators were determined to investigate the church, and they were especially eager to question Joseph F. Smith and other general authorities about their political influence over the saints and the continuation of plural marriage after the manifesto. Let's talk about that, Eric. If the committee proved that the church promoted lawbreaking, Reed could be stripped of his seat and the saint's reputation would suffer. But then when it says that he submitted a rebuttal to the committee formally denying the ministerial association's accusations. Now, I don't have his rebuttal in front of me, but my question is, what the book says the association was accusing the church of they were guilty of. So what kind of a rebuttal did Reed Smoot give that 
could be verified because it seems like the accusations were accurate. What's he going to say? No, that's not true? Well, we're going to find out in the hearing that a lot of the things that this ministerial association was saying was actually true. And they were saying that Reed Smith would be a pawn for the church. Well, basically, he's not objective. He has an agenda, and his agenda is the same agenda that the church's agenda is. So in other words, what you're saying, Eric, is by the very fact that he's offering this rebuttal to protect the image of the church despite the facts— it shows he's doing exactly what people were fearing he would do, and that is placing the interests of the church above the interests of the country and the people that he is supposed to serve. I can understand the reasoning there. When we read about this hearing, there is a definite problem for the church. They have a public relations nightmare on their hands, because now if these senators are going to have hearings, they're going to ask some really tough questions. I've watched a lot of Senate hearings. I would not want to be asked questions by these guys who have done all their homework. If you're guilty, you don't want to be asked questions by guys like that. So I can understand why this could cause concern for the church leadership. The final paragraph of that section on page 102 is a quote from the committee chairman. And he says, Senator Smoot, you are not on trial. It is the Mormon church that we intend to investigate, and we are going to see that these men obey law. That's the worst thing that the church could have hoped for. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.